0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad Anul Polat. Welcome to this bonus episode. Aren't you lucky? Look at all these bonus episodes you're getting. Like, oh, look at you. You're so cute getting all these bonus episodes. All right. So I don't don't know what's happening now. Um, Anyway, so I just wanted to say that uh, this is a bonus episode. I get to talk with Rosie Gabrielle, who spent over a year traveling in Pakistan by motorcycle and solo female travel in Pakistan and India as well have come up a lot. It's a question that I'm asked a lot and Rosie has literally like, she must be the expert in terms of Pakistan travel. I I think in terms of solo female travel, she's been all over the country. So we talk about that. We talk about how she videos and edits and gets into making a YouTube channel around her adventures as well, while still riding around on a motorbike by herself. And editing and doing all that stuff from the road. In addition, we talk about some really wholesome moments that 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 she experienced, some of some of her scariest moments as well. Uh, we talk about a little bit about her travels before and after Pakistan as well. So I think you're gonna really enjoy this interview. Just a quick note before we get into the interview: if you're listening right now to the Fox Nomad podcast, thank you very much. And as a, as sort of an extra. Thank you, would it be? Um, I don't know. Well, maybe I'll give you an extra thank you. If if you haven't already, if you could give the Fox Nomad podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to be listening to the podcast, it really helps get the word out. Um, and uh, I've got a lot to talk about that in the upcoming next episode before the summer hiatus. Um, but more about that in a week or so. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Rosie Gabrielle. And here we go. So uh, thanks for, I guess, thanks for the evening podcast call. We had some time zone. We're across many time zones. So thanks, Rosie, for, uh, for being on the podcast. Um, it's a
1: pleasure. Thank you for having me here.
0: I wanted to talk to you about Pakistan in particular because I was there earlier in the year. I made some videos and a lot of people were asking me, especially it was from Indian people and Pakistani people because I compared both countries and uh, there were a lot of uh, comments on on those You're videos.
1: You're brave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, and people were asking me about solo female travel. Um, yeah. And I can only answer the question as a guess, right so it's hard for me to to uh, understand so i was curious so i want to get into that but first i want to talk about how you arrived in pakistan your travels over the last few years mm-hmm. um, i've been on your youtube channel i've been seeing there's a lot of motorcycles there's a lot of combination of things that i'm interested in so maybe if you can give a, a background sort of
1: oh where would you like to start from <laughs> pakistan or prior
0: <laughs> let's start about uh, prior
1: uh, well, we're talking travels and motorcycle. Um, I first, my first ever trip, I was nineteen. That was a very long time ago, <laughs> and um, I originally went just to go backpacking around Southeast Asia. And I'd never ridden a bike at that point. And my kind of uh, intention was to go and have this amazing adventure. And when I got there and took a bus from point A to B and kind of missed everything in between I was like oh okay that's not quite the adventure that I had in mind so when I got to the north of Thailand I hired one of those little 125 scooter motorcycle thingies and I did a weekend trip and after that I said I am sold uh, this is the way I have to travel So I went out and I bought my very first bike, and I continued the trip. It was 12,000 kilometers across Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia. That was about six months long. And that was kind of like the beginning of my love for motorcycle riding. That trip changed my life from there. And um, yeah, and then, yeah, life sort of happened in between there and a few years back. I did some traveling um, years, but it wasn't until, I guess, about five years ago now, because um, after that trip, I'm sorry if I'm itching myself, and I'm going to interrupt you here. <laughs> There's so many mosquitoes here, so I'm not, like, <laughs> no I'm <word. laughs> so, so getting bitten by mosquitoes in my own house. Uh, uh, um, Sorry to interrupt. Um yeah, so five years ago, um, I decided I wanted to travel all around the world by motorcycle. And I also wanted to film my adventures. Um, so that's kind of, you know, I I started adventuring and started filming and I started YouTube. Um, and then, yeah, and then Pakistan happened last year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of jumping around, but I was noticing on your videos just how they're filmed, and this i is. I'm. I'm. One, I was wondering. I was like, Are you filming all this by yourself? Because the angles that you get, and then you're you're on your bike, but I mean, you're shooting from different angles, at a distance. So you said set, clearly setting up. I don't know how many cameras you travel with. Is it a, probably two? I'm um, guessing or.
1: A few. So I have my DSLR, which is primarily my photo camera because I actually was a professional photographer for 10 years after um, my Southeast Asia tour. I ended up in the Middle East in Oman and I lived there for 10 years as a professional photographer. So I have this creative eye and I'm also a really big perfectionist to the point where I'm a pain in my own butt as you mentioned, like there are multiple camera angles and I get that question a lot. People are like, no, there's no way you travel solo. Like you must have a camera crew. And I take it as the biggest compliment. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm doing a good job. Um, but I, I will not, you know, if I have a vision and I want to produce something, I want it to be like, I want it to be amazing, as as best as I can, at least. And so I have, have my DSLR. I have a pocket Sony camera, which is primarily for vlogging. And then I have a couple of GoPros that I'm constantly switching different angles or using selfie poles. And um, now I have a drone, which uh, is a big help in yeah making good videos.
0: Yeah, I saw this because uh, they're, they're really engaging they're really interesting to watch visually and Mm -hmm. they look easy in the sense that they look like you either have a couple of people filming which Mm -hmm. is good and i think it's always when a creator does something that looks easy i think that's the hardest trick to do without making it look as difficult as it is because i just i think it was a five minute video one of the ones that that stuck out and i was like that probably took all afternoon I mean that those multiple angles uh, and, and just the way you film it and you're on your bike so there's that yeah element there's a
1: lot of running back and forth and sweating and just yeah that not a lot of people understand what it takes to you know behind the scenes to get this sort of thing and when you're on your own and it is really strenuous and it is a pain and most days you know I was cursing myself and I'm like I don't want to take out my camera I just I don't but I was so um persistent you know i had this vision in my mind and i wasn't gonna let go
0: (laughs) so when you spend a day filming for example do you then take all that footage you go back you know to the hotel or wherever you're staying and then edit it right away or do you kind of go back to like a home base after a couple weeks or something and, and edit everything
1: uh well usually i'm on the road for quite some time like Pakistan I was on road for one year I had a two-month break in the middle where I went home for this summer um, but I was traveling continuously and usually I am camping in the wilderness or I'm staying at locals homes so both places aren't really ideal for sitting down and editing um, it isn't a huge process as well because every day you know, a lot of places I don't have electricity or these things, so keeping enough batteries to last days on a charge, um, and or when I do get to a place when I can charge, it's like a sprawl of <laughs> charging cables and um, uploading because my cards can only hold so much, so then organizing those onto hard drives, and, you know, realistically, I I would love to edit on the road, but it's, it's so exhausting traveling the way I do. Um, And you can't like, you need a certain environment to sit and, you know, get in that creative groove. And one video takes me, you know, if it's a small video, maybe it takes a few days or my big Pakistan video that took me one month of editing for like 12 hours a day. So I need a good, nice environment and yeah so i ended up after my pakistan trip i went to sri lanka to just like rest and edit that's all i was doing there was resting and editing
0: so when you get to pakistan why what brought you there in the first place or why why did it kind of hit your radar i guess
1: Mm -hmm. so i've been wanting to go to pakistan for years it's been pretty high on my bucket list and two years ago it was coming the winter and I was thinking okay where do I want to go and I was like hey universe you decide I don't know if I want to go to South America or back to Africa or you know the Middle East try or try something new I don't know so I was just waiting for a sign and a few days later I was mosquito <laughs> a few days later I was um I had someone write me, they were an organization from Oman, a group that were uh, inviting vloggers or whatever to Pakistan to do this one week tour thing, um, just to have an experience and share about it. I was like, oh, Pakistan, all right. And so I was like, okay, well, that's amazing and I'd love to join. However, I will come if I can stay behind and do my own thing, like there's no restrictions on I have to leave or whatever Um, because I'm not typically a group type person. Like I would never voluntarily just go on a group trip. I'm not a group traveler. So I'm like, but if I get a free flight over there, sure, I'll suck it up. (laughs) So I did that. um, And I did the week tour. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to ride a motorcycle across the country. I have, like, I'm not big on media or news or following things I had no idea what the current situation was like I didn't even know if it was possible to ride a bike across the country but I was just so headstrong and I'm like that's what I'm gonna do so then I arranged my own sponsored bike there was a company there and basically they're just like well we like your mission because I kind of proposed to them what I was doing and I said I want to go there and I want to showcase What the country is actually like because just before that i had done a tour across oman and had a very unique experience um uh it's one of my top viewed videos i think my bike fell down i was in the middle of mazira island and these two strangers they came up and they helped me and they just had the most amazing You know, like they were just so nice. They were just such beautiful people. And I was just so touched by our interaction and you know, they helped me and they offered me food and water. And um I really felt at that moment because these are the moments that people don't get to see. You know, the news and media are not gonna portray uh you know, nice stuff, you know, cause that's not what sells, you know, all the, the drama and the fear and all this is what sells in the media. And um, living in um, Oman for so many years and knowing kind of the mentality towards these regions, towards um, Muslim people in particular, and just being a solo, a vulnerable solo female traveler, I really felt that I was in the most amazing position to be able to share this aspect of the world you know re- real people real humanity that really touches the heart and soul that on a day-to-day basis we don't really get access to that and i thought you know how cool is this and i was actually brought to tears i cry a lot and if you watch a couple of my videos you're like you, you notice a theme you're like gosh this feels really emotional <laughs> i am at that stage in my life hormones are a thing but <laughs> um but yeah i was just i was so touched and i really felt at that moment i'm like i could really make a difference And so for me, Pakistan, because it had such a negative view, like since 9-11, that country has suffered. Those people have suffered. You know, they've just been the image of terrorism. And that deeply affects the people there because that is not the reality there. And, um, And still to this day. So I thought, you know what? If I cross the country as a solo female on a bike, and show what it's actually like and show my interns and, and document it um, in this raw way, then that's gonna change people's perceptions. So, yeah, that's what I did. I-
0: <laughs> yeah, and if Pakistan is a place that has a bad reputation, just flat out, I'll say, bad reputation, I think it's not a place that most people will go yeah i want to travel there and even for me you know people ask about solo female travel but i'm like when i went you know whenever i go somewhere new there's always Mm -hmm. like a couple of days where you're trying to figure it out what part of the city am i staying in you need Mm -hmm. to kind of get very local but then also figure out what's normal what's not normal what's safe what's not safe and there's sort of this adjustment period and then you you know, realize what you can and you can't do, and then you get some freedom and then you're off. Did you have that kind of period or did you just just jump right in?
1: I never have that. And I always said I think there's something wrong with me because whenever I travel, no matter where I go, I never allow myself to go to that space. Obviously, when you travel or wherever you go, you have to use your wise judgment. Like, for example, in in Vancouver city here in Canada, you wouldn't walk down Hastings street at three in the morning and expect not to get mugged. You know, you just don't go to that area at that time. Um, but generally speaking in these countries, especially the ones that have like the bad reputation or whatever. I mean, I, I it never even crosses my mind. And I think it's a lot about everyone's personal experience um and it's the you know that presence you give off and if you're confident and um you know this energy attraction law thing so i never i'm never concerned because i i feel a lot and i can judge by that instead of um hearsay because for example when i was in south africa Every South African told me how dangerous it was and and don't get me wrong. I I understand and well the same thing happened in Pakistan But you know in, in South Africa things do happen um, But it's just that same thing like if that was their experience and they say oh no, no, don't go there this is the most dangerous place, but maybe that was just their experience in that time and You know everyone told me how dangerous Pakistan was in certain areas and some whatever whatever and you know, you have to go for yourself and kind of feel it out. And I never had that, yeah, I never had that period of arriving and sussing things out. They just, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of the times the people that tell you a place is dangerous, I'd say almost 99% have not been to that place. It's just a rule. Yeah. So you hear that a lot. I mean, for me, when I arrived, I arrived in Islamabad. So I, mm. that was kind of my entry into the country earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And I did run across a family, not Pakistani. I don't know where they were from—either European, mm-hmm. you know, North American. They looked absolutely terrified. I mean, just walking down the street in Islamabad, for, it's for the people do There. I was surprised, like, wow, this is going to be a. If the whole country is Islamabad, it's might be a little disappointing. You know, it's not.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> Sure word. This is what? what?
0: No. <laughs> and, and so, and I saw them and they just, you could just see how nervous they were. And I almost felt bad yeah. because they were clearly tense. And I, I understand. I mean, who knows, maybe they're there for work or I, I have no idea why they, would, you know, what the, the circumstances are. Maybe they don't want to be there, whatever, but the, they yeah. looked really scared. And I could just, you can just see it and you can, you know, when you get some travel experience, Anywhere you are, you can see people, you can gauge their experience level pretty quickly just by watching yeah. them walk down the street. Um, so mm-hmm. where where did you start in, in Pakistan? Which city or how did you arrive?
1: When I arrived with the group, we arrived in Karachi, but it was literally like we got to Karachi, we um, hopped on a train, went to Lahore, spent two days there and then spent two days in Islamabad and that was the tour. I was like... Great. See you guys. I'm going off on my own now. (laughs) Thank you. Um, but it all started in Lahore. Um, that's where my bike was. And it's interesting because my trip was supposed to start. I was supposed to be there for one week and then go, but I had some issues with bike registration and whatever. So I was actually stuck in Lahore for six weeks. So I stayed with the family there and I really got to know because I couldn't ride my bike at the time. Um, I was friends with, the Harley Davidson store owner there. So every day I was out on a different Harley, which is amazing. Like, I don't know if you got a chance to go to Lahore. It was very different than Islamabad. Yeah, and the traffic there. And can you imagine bombing down those streets on this massive 1200 (laughs) Harley? It was epic, it was so much fun. Um, And really got to be immersed in the culture because I was staying with this family and I really, you know, I spent six weeks there. So I really got involved. And then um, from there, I continued south um, down Bunga Blazes, Choleston, and then through Karachi. And then I did the uh, Makran Highway to Gwadar, which is not currently, I don't know, the rules have changed slightly since I was there. But when I was there, no foreigners could access um, it. But I was given special permission, so I went to Gwadar. And then I looped back around to Karachi and went up to Islamabad. And then from Islamabad, I did a few loops around the north. So I went through Hunza all the way to Hundra Pass, the China border. Um, Came back around, did Skardu area, and then Chitral and KPK, and then came down through Swat. So the only region of Pakistan I didn't go to yet was Kashmir, but I will be going back soon. When the world (laughs) settles down (laughs) a bit, um, I do really want to go to Kashmir. So, yeah.
0: And how do people react to you? You know, a foreign woman who's motorbiking around the entire country—not typical, right? So it is not something that people are seeing all the time. Mm -hmm. How's what's the reaction?
1: Uh, It's always good. It's always super positive. Um, They're shocked because I'm quite obviously a female because i always wear bright lipstick when i ride and i do that for you know for lip protection but also like it's cool to when they're like wow it's a girl and i've got my long hair flowing out of my helmet and um people are just so excited like they're shocked because they're like oh my gosh it's a girl and she's on such a big bike um but they're so excited you know I see people like thumbs up and cheering and you know men women children just so excited and you know I think it gives them I don't know its they're not used to it but it's just like wow yeah woman power you're amazing type thing which is really cool because I see a lot of women who are like get inspired by that because they don't have those, a lot of those kind of role models over there. So when they see a girl traveling like that, it really like sparks this thing inside, like, Hmm, okay. And there are a couple of women's bike groups there. Like, um, there are a couple of schools and, and like, there are a few women riders there and it's starting to expand a bit more, which is really cool.
0: And what's it like riding around the country? I mean, both in terms of the roads how are the roads and and you know getting gas and all that stuff how does is it pretty normal i guess when I say normal like you'd find in in europe or canada or
1: mm-hmm. roads absolutely not like i mean it it there's such a drastic difference um between south north east west like it's it's so drastic in terms of traffic road conditions um fuel availability um just like the entire culture country itself it's so diverse with its culture with with everything um but it's pretty easy like for the most part the south was difficult in the sense that like the main strip going to karachi like fuel was readily available that wasn't an issue Pretty much anywhere in Pakistan, fuel wasn't an issue except for the Makran Highway. That was the corridor going to Gwadar. Um, that corridor, because I was told like, there's no gas stations there. All you can get is like these jerry cans at the side of the road, and the petrol is all smuggled from Iran, and it's a little dodgy, and you might want to use a filter, you know. But, I mean, it was fine. It was cheaper, too. Um, but I did carry extra gas. On that road because that was 500 kilometers just that one stretch um, and all you can find is small gas but um, and then of course if you're in the mountains there's some areas that there's like it's completely barren. there's nothing there's no shops it's just land um, but those stretches they're like 100 kilometers only really so you're pretty Safe if your tank holds to three hundred. Um, the south was difficult as, uh like, if you're looking for accommodations. Normally, I usually do homestays and stuff like that. But like, if you are looking for accommodations, it's horrible. Like, even in Islamabad, it's getting a bit better. But even Lahore, like, it's just and all the south. There's barely any accommodations that you can find. They're not really set up for tourism just yet, although they're very enthusiastic about having tourists, but to be honest, Pakistan is not ready for tourism at all, in that sense, in that respect. Um, But other than that, pretty easy to get around if you get lost, like people tell you where to go and people are so friendly and just so amazing. So yeah, I found it really easy traveling around there. The only issue would be is security. Um, rules have changed a bit since then. Um, so they required all foreigners to have escort security in certain areas, not the North at all. You're completely free to travel there in the North. Um, but there are some sections of the South, um, that you are required to have a police escort, which, um, and I've talked to a lot of traveler friends of mine, it is a big, Hindrance there. Um, I had friends who were staying at couch surfers or wherever and they literally got dragged out of their place in the middle of the night and sent to the police station and sent back to the city. They're like no you're not allowed in this city no foreigners allowed. So I mean they do it in a nice way obviously but or they would follow you and um, for your safety. And the thing is it is safe, but they're so they're trapped in this mentality and you know, from so long ago, and like if anything did happen to the foreigners, so we're just making sure that they're completely safe, but they just don't do it in the right way and it's not really necessary these days. So the new government is actually trying to abolish the whole security thing, which is a big reason why they gave me permission because it's never been done. No foreigner has been allowed to travel that corridor by themselves. I don't know, maybe in like the 1960s, 70s or something. I don't know. <laughs> but definitely, um, yeah. But so I was actually exempt from having any security protocol across Pakistan. Um, because I said, How can I show that your country is safe if I got some guy with an AK-47 <laughs> behind me protecting me? You know, like it, it doesn't really go so um yeah but it was yeah easy and safe and
0: yeah when i was in yemen years ago i was traveling with a friend who had a u.s passport and there's all these at that time there were just security checkpoints everywhere every i mean so frequent that they would stop you know and they see foreign foreigners in the back you know in the car and and so with me they they really didn't care. They're like, yeah, whatever. When they yeah. saw my friend's passport, the next day, I, we were going somewhere in the West. I don't remember exactly where, but a van or, you know, kind of an open truck with six, six soldiers. I think they were AK 47s just completely armed Were following us mm-hmm. on these mountain roads where we were the only car. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, well, now we're drawing a lot of i don't know how dangerous it was before that's the first time that i thought okay maybe yeah. this coming here was not a good idea but at the same time i was like we're really drawing a lot of attention to ourselves you know so this is
1: the thing like it 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 showcases like they're not inconspicuous like the police would try and follow me every now and then because they didn't like they didn't get the message from the superior. So every now and then I would have a car follow me and they've got their sirens on and their guns there. And I'm like, Well, now everyone knows I'm here. Like if, if this is what you're you know, you're not so yeah, it's silly, but I think they'd be a little bit more <laughs> Yeah.
0: Because they look like they're ready to go to war. And so when yeah. you see that you're like, Okay, this is not completely just a deterrent they're not just showing off these weapons to deter someone this is again some somebody who's just gonna come guns blade like that's how it feels like and yeah, yeah. Um, aside from that i guess that did you ever feel unsafe driving you know did you ever feel you get into a situation where you were scared or anything like that anything unusual
1: yeah, so I actually feel safer in Pakistan than I do in Canada. like and and I'm not like I'm not exaggerating at all. Um, oftentimes, because I mean, it's one of those countries where it's culturally the norm for not to see any women really in public. like the women are at home, they're doing their own thing, but so on the streets, it's always men, a lot of men. and and so I would stop my bike I'd go for chai I'd do whatever and so I'm always surrounded by just groups of men because they're just like whoa this is crazy but I never once felt threatened I never felt unsafe I never felt sexualized I never felt that my space barrier was broken you know um there was a respect there and I think that comes you know just from uh and what they follow and everything there was just this natural respect and they just looked at me like a sister they didn't look at you know you can you can kind of tell you know if they're ooh like oogling you um or not and I never felt that and um no matter where I went I even had instances in the south where my bike broke down like my front bearings were completely shattered and my bike just bit the dust and the sun was setting and I was meant to be somewhere and um I couldn't make it and it broke down in this little town and these guys are like yeah follow me to the mechanic in this next town I was like okay so we get there and of course it's Friday so everything is closed and they're like oh where are you staying tonight and I was like well I was actually supposed to make it up into the mountains I'm camping up there but I guess they can find a family to stay with I don't know and then just one then one of the gentlemen he's like well you know you can come to my home and you can wait for the mechanic have some tea and i know most people especially girls are listening to this thinking like i would not go to a strange guy's house like that's crazy um but i just have this ability to kind of feel people out and just like kind of see what their intentions are and it felt safe for me and I was like okay and by that time it was pitch black and follow him to his house and yeah there his entire family was waiting for me um they gave me gifts they fed me they gave me their traditional clothes they tra- taught me their traditional dancing stayed with them for three days had my bike fixed the mechanic wouldn't let me pay for the repairs he says look you're a guest in our country and this is a gift for you you know and that's a big honor for them and it was just such an amazing experience and um it you know it, and that happened a lot and, and that was just my general experience there the people were just so kind and everyone treated me like sister and everyone just wanted to take care of me I had this interesting experience, actually, in the north when I was coming down, and uh, it was one particular patch where it was uh, in a really mountainous area, and I have this, my purse, my fanny pack that goes around my waist. And I stopped for the bathroom at the side of the road, I guess, and I I took it off, and I didn't realize till I got to where I was staying that night five hours later. And I looked down and my purse was gone and it was like this brown leather beat up bag. And I'm like, it had everything. It had my visa card. It had all of my cash. It had my driver's license. It had everything. And I was like, Oh my gosh. like this, like, even if, okay, I lost it. What are the chances of someone finding it? If they find it, how are they going to contact me? Like it was like rural, rural in the North. And so I called the police station the next day and I just notified them. I said, if anyone turns this in, let me know. And sure enough, by that evening, I get a call from the police and they said a beggar from the local village found it and turned it in and everything was in there. Everything. You know, it's just crazy. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I don't know if that would happen in Canada, but there are good people out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think... One thing that, you know, that happened to me a lot was people would, I would go to a cafe or <clears throat> just be out and people would buy me chai, they would buy me tea. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought, it. I was like, this has to be, it's the first time it happened. I was like, well, this might be a scam, you, you know, because yeah. like, this doesn't, I mean, this is pretty unusual. That doesn't happen in most places where people yeah. in a big city, in a major city, I think it was mm-hmm. in Karachi that, that it happened. I was like, "Huh? Okay, maybe there's something to it, but uh, there's only one way to find out." And, and no, they, they were really nice. We talked; had a great experience, and that happened over and over and over. Yeah. And um, and I was gonna ask you in Lahore, did you did you go to this Sufi festival? Did you go to the yeah, Sufi festival? Yeah.
1: No, oh, unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't get to go to that. Yeah. I uh, is it the one there's like a lot of dancing and like like meditation trance or something
0: yeah so it's it's yeah. a lot of dancing where they're they're spinning playing drums smoking opium and uh-huh. and weed and everything yeah. um, it's it's just a surreal experience yeah. and everybody told me don't go there. It's super dangerous. And like, d- yeah. d- definitely don't take your camera out. You're going to get mobbed by people and all this stuff. And I was thinking, well, you know, so I went and I was like, these everybody looks pretty happy. And most of them were pretty high. So it was a pretty relaxed <laughs> atmosphere. <really> <laughs> I was like, these guys are not going to, I don't think they're they're going to, you know. And I went and for like the first minute, I was like, okay, do I not take my camera out? I was like, How, when will yeah. I ever be here again? I might as well do it. Everybody was super friendly and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was just one of those experiences. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, everywhere in Pakistan, I left everything on my bike, my cameras, my everything. And I would leave it on my bike and I go for a walk and nothing was ever touched.
0: And do you have them inside compartments or on a backpack? Or how did you carry all your, all your things?
1: um i have a bunch of bags but then i have like a tank bag and it's just a zipper that you open i had a lot of stuff mounted on my bike i got presents wherever i went so the mound just got bigger and bigger and bigger and every city i was in i had to like ship stuff home (laughs) because like i just got so many gifts there every family i stayed with it's here's like here's a shawl (laughs) here's your new dupata (laughs)
0: So I think you you mentioned it earlier, and I think we agree that Pakistan is sort of, it's not ready for, I guess, mainstream tourism, I would say. It's more in that backpacker, adventure traveler stage that a lot of places get to.
1: Mm, I'd say adventure traveler, not even backpacker, because you don't have hostels there. Um, In the north, there are definitely a lot more places to stay but, um, like you have to be pretty adventurous to travel around there on in your own means, whether if you're gonna there are a couple of bike rental places now um in the north, even so you can take a bus up to the north and hop on like and rent a bike and just do the north small little bike or something. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not as cheap like and I, and I'm gonna compare it to India in this way where. India, you can find really nice, decent accommodations and you're really not paying a lot where for the same thing as if you pay $10 in India, you're paying $90 in Pakistan, right? So it's just not really um, like, it's not like your budget backpacker place unless you really just want to, if you want to go hitchhiking or really just have an adventure type thing.
0: And I have to ask you to, might as well compare both countries <laughs> as far yeah. as solo female travel because people yeah. everybody agrees with everything I say about them, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah w- uh, what are the differences between traveling in Pakistan versus India for i guess as, I, I say as a woman it, I mean you're a woman, so it 's not like you can yeah. pick or choose right so <laughs>
1: um I really had like I traveled quite a few areas in India. I've been to Varanasi, Jodhpur, Jaipur, Pushkar, Shimla, Rishikesh, Delhi, Mumbai, and Goa. Um, So I've had, you know, a fair taste of India. And even like, was it, Mumbai? I think it was Mumbai, yeah. Even people say, oh, it's so dangerous to walk around Mumbai as a single female. Don't do that. Whatever you do, like, this is not okay. And I spent a day and I literally walked for 10 hours. I walked and walked because that's one of my favorite things to do is like, I love just looking at people and life and just taking it all in. And I literally walked the streets for 10 hours that day, down back alleys, into markets, into places. And similar to Pakistan, you know, there wasn't a lot of you know, females and just hanging out on the street, it was all men. Um, But I never felt, I never felt threatened. I never felt unsafe. Um, But then again, it's that general rule, that law of attraction, right? You know how you said you saw that family that was scared. If you put out this fear and this resistance, and this is what you're, you know, kind of uh, expelling out of yourself you're 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 gonna kind of reflect that back to you. So if you're smiling and being friendly with people and treating others as an equal to yourself, and these people, you know, they don't really see, um, you know, foreign single female walking down the street. But if you're smiling and like you're having that inviting energy, that's what they're gonna get back to you. So that's gonna be your experience. Um, that's just my (laughs) philosophy i guess um but that was my experience there and yeah i mean i felt completely safe um traveling there i traveled um, a lot by bike there as well um the biggest difference about india and it's not even like a thing really it's just like i would say it's probably personal space because there's a lot more people in india so, you know, you're in a crowd of people and like everyone's just like, you know, yeah. so maybe some people could feel a little bit intimidated by that and not very comfortable in a thick crowd of people. Um, maybe something might happen. I don't know. But um, yeah, as far as differences, there's, yeah, I, I I didn't personally experience anything different. No.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, like, or anything. And it's hard to compare it's India's like civilization just turned all the way up to just like turn the dial of population. Just like, let's, let's make it mm-hmm. 1.4 billion, you know, which is so much more than Pakistan when you I mean, that is so many yeah. people and it's just a, it's a very different experience. I think, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just. It's just
1: different. It, it's very culturally different. Even like, Yeah, it's just, it's completely different with how you interact with the people even. Um, um, Yeah.
0: And did you use the same bike in Pakistan for that whole year? Was it the same bike?
1: No. So the South, I started out with the 700 GS, the BMW, which is an amazing bike. Um, However, and I've I've ridden my share of really big bikes, but I knew for the North, there was going to be a lot of, off-road and because I'm by myself um if you've seen in my videos I do drop my bike a lot (laughs) (laughs) so I'm kind of infamous or yeah famous for that um it does make it trickier when I'm on my own and the bike is heavier and also a lot of the roads are so narrow up north like you're You've got this narrow path and a 200 meter drop and a vehicle trying to pass you. And I'm like, I just need to have something more manageable. And so I switched. There was a company in Islamabad, um, they were a bike group, and I reached out to them and they were super keen to help me. And so they lent me a bike for that northern part of the trip. I switched to a 250 as a tech on some Chinese bike thing.
0: Yeah, the BMW bikes are great, they're just really heavy. I mean, really yeah. bulky. Yeah. 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 When I first started, when I got the idea many, many, many years ago that I'm gonna travel the world and so on, it started, mm. I think, because I had read an article about a book that was being written by Ewan McGregor and Charlie oh, Borman. A long way yeah. So that that was the kind of book that it was, they hadn't even done the trip yet. They were just planning it. I had read an article about it, and I was like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: "All right, I want to do something, something like that." I, ha- I haven't done a motorbike around the world yet, but hopefully yeah. one day I'll recreate that trip. I'd like to do something like that.
1: Um, do you ride? No.
0: Very, very, very rarely. I don't really have. I, I, I should more, but I just, mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, but you're currently in Turkey, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm in great Istanbul. Here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I yeah, it, lockdowns and all these quarantines hit, and it's sort of a uh, a weird time. But yeah, Turkey, this is a great country for road mm-hmm. trips. It really is, yeah. I, I think. And most people don't go to Black Sea coast, and they don't go east. Yeah, which
1: I spent some time in. I'm gonna pronounce it wrong. Gayikberry, Berry. Yeah, yeah, I did a a climbing trek there. They have amazing climbing up there, and like the whole south coast there is just beautiful.
0: Yeah, so there is really a lot to see here, and people also tend to get worried about coming here as well, like to to drive or to kind of get outside of the the triangle of Istanbul and Cappadocia um, and Sofia. Ah, like, there's this kind of triangle that most tourists have. But uh, yeah. there's lots to see here. Um,
1: I hitchhike in Turkey.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I did hitchhiking there. It was interesting. Not the greatest time. It was during, well, actually, it was kind of cool because it was during Eid. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had some interesting conversations on Google Translate, which didn't turn <laughs> <It's>, over.
0: <laughs> it is the worst for Turkish. It's so bad. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I remember I was in this family car and I I gathered they're trying to invite me to their Eid celebrations that day, but the Google Translate says, we want to invite you to the Halloween celebration to sacrifice the victim. I'm like, (laughs) hmm, I don't know if I should be concerned right now. (laughs) But I kind of, and I'm like, oh, okay, Eid, yeah, sacrificing the goat, I get it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there are all these meme memes and i guess in the turkish reddits and all that stuff where it's just google translated things into turkish or into english yeah. and it's just a, it's a disaster it's it doesn't work well it's it's so bad um the one one last thing i wanted to ask you is of all the things you saw in pakistan what was what was the one that stuck out or some memorable moment that you had traveling i mean you've really seen a lot of the country and a you very unique unique way
1: that is so hard because each place was so you like spectacular i mean it just these places speak to your soul Um, you know, from the Makaron Highway and being completely deserted down there and seeing the Princess of Hope and these beautiful etched mountains. Like, I've never seen anything like it. They literally look like they're hand-carved, these mountains, tiny, tiny details. And then, you know, you go up to the north and in Skardu, you have the cold desert with these snow-capped mountains and they're surrounding this bowl of white, beautiful Dunes, you know, the sand desert, and I got to camp on top of these dunes by myself with like a million stars above me, or Doi, which is one of the highest plains in the world. It's four thousand feet above sea level, and you have the uh these bears up there, and just like this landscape that is unreal. And I was like the only one, only mm-hmm. one up there, and it's so amazing. Um, but you know, out of all this beautiful landscape things, and it's not necessarily one moment, but it's every moment that I get a chance to have such beautiful interactions, um, with these people. And it's so pure and it's so genuine and it's just absolute raw human connection. Um, one of the most beautiful moments I had was staying with a woman down in Balochistan I stayed with her in her house that was literally just straw and mud in the middle of a desert. She had no running water, she had no electricity, she had no bathroom even. When I asked her where can I go to the toilet, she pointed behind the rocks, you know, it was just very basic. Um, and getting to stay with her and sleep with her and her family on the floor and get to experience what her life was like. and. Just have, you know, there's a communication barrier. There is, you know, it was something completely new for me, but it was just one of the most beautiful experiences. And um, after that, I ended up doing a fundraiser and I raised money and I had solar panels installed in her home so she could have electricity because the biggest thing down there is the heat in the summertime. is just unreal. So just to give her a little bit more comfort in her home. But yeah, I mean, every, there's not one moment that it's just all of it. They, I was completely in awe with the people, the culture, the landscapes, with everything there. It was just amazing.
0: So uh, where's next when when we can all travel again? Is it Pakistan or?
1: Uh, I would like to go to Pakistan. You know, it's one of those places where you can travel for years and years and years and not even crack the surface. Um, so there's so many places I would like to go back there because I just, I enjoyed it so much. Um, and it's very, it's so nice to travel there. It's just one of those places. It's just like, it's easy if you have your own means of transportation. Easy in terms of um, just meeting, yeah, just, yeah, I mean, you had that experience there. Like, it's just so welcoming, you know, you just feel so welcomed. And um, it's just so untouched as well. Unlike some other countries where you go, like, I really don't like mass tourism areas. I feel, feel like it really hurts a country in the respects of the essence of it. But Pakistan is still untouched. You know, you can go there and you can be the only one there. And the locals still, you know, treat you really, really, really well because they're just not kind of tainted by tourism. You know, they're not jaded at all. So Pakistan's up there again. Um, I mean, so many places I would love to do Mongolia, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan. Uh, I'd love to do South America. I'd love to do Iran, Saudi Arabia, now that it's finally open to female travelers and motorcycles as well. I actually want to do um, Hedge. I want to do it from Oman on a bike to Saudi.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, that's in my plan as, as well in so many places, yeah. And then I got invited recently to China and Tibet to do a tour across there. So... Come on, world, open up. Yes. Hello.
0: I'm waiting. Wear your masks, people, and let's get this thing like this is a yeah, it's yeah, a lot of people are making travel plans now. And I'm like, for for like in the next couple months, and I'm like, I don't know if that's the best idea because this could you know, the people things could are shutting down again in a lot of places like Spain and I think Mm -hmm. Italy just had some. So yeah. yeah you never
1: know when they're gonna have a third wave or something and you don't want to be stuck somewhere and um like prices for flights have just skyrocketed and like i'm definitely not going to be traveling in the next few months because it's just it's silly and if you want to go anywhere it's like 50 hours and it's crazy and i do want to travel with my dog from now on though that's going to be a definite change in things um i have traveled with him a little bit on the bike but um i don't want to leave him anymore i miss him too much. <laughs> um so yeah i'll be traveling with him but for now the rest of the summer i'm just going to travel around my own backyard and do a tour across bc with my dog in my sidecar <laughs> i have a little <laughs> sidecar on my motorcycle so yeah cool,
0: but and- there's
1: plenty for here
0: yeah, I mean, if you're gonna be, I guess, stuck in a place, like Canada is a pretty good place to be stuck, right? Yeah, you know, there's so much. Yeah. It's it's so massive, and and if you like to ride motorcycles, it's one of the best countries in the world. It has to be, I think
1: yeah yeah it's pretty nice and you can camp a lot and we're lucky at least now it's the summer well summer we haven't had the greatest weather but um yeah the next couple months should be decent and um yeah definitely an okay place to be stuck for the time being
0: so let everybody know your youtube channel instagram and all those places and I'll, i'll link to those all in the in the show notes and description and all that stuff but uh just let know let everybody know where they can find you,
1: yeah, awesome. You can find me at rosie gabriel that's r o s i e g a b r i e double l e and that's the same across youtube instagram, and facebook
0: and uh, again, I'll link to all of those everywhere that people can find you, looking forward to your new videos on your adventures with your dog, which you know will be super cute if if your dog is in a sidecar, I just imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have one video out of the Rockies tour we did a few years ago. That's on YouTube. You'll see him in the sidecar. He's got goggles and everything. (laughs) And I'm working on a video now because I did um, another tour because I've done four tours around Oman now. And one of those tours I had my dog with me and i'm just editing that now it's a couple years late but i, I never <laughs> I, I get so far behind i never edit on the road so yeah what to do uh, hopefully a downtime.
0: <laughs> yeah a lot of time, yeah a lot of editing time right now yeah hopefully yeah. we can chat again at some point in the future because i'd love to ask about the logistics of bringing your dog mm-hmm. you know just in different countries and i've i've had a similar experience with that and as well both managing all the editing and then you've got your pets and they've got visa like Mm -hmm. just the behind the scenes stuff must i would love to talk to you in depth about that as well at some point so yeah um, it's not easy but thank you very much for your time i really appreciate it um and thanks everybody for listening and uh yeah I, i really appreciate it so thanks again Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. Thank you, Rosie, for being my guest. Thank all of you. Really thank you for all of your support. Hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you in the next episode.